If you feel like your business is drowning in inefficiencies, it might be time to decode the problem and break it down by the numbers. Let's start with 37,000. That's the vast community of business owners who've embraced NetSuite. 25, that's the number of years that NetSuite has been revolutionizing financial workflows and accelerating success. Which brings us to one. NetSuite offers tailored solutions, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Unlock the power of NetSuite today. Download our acclaimed KPI checklist for free. Just head to netsuite.com slash cbs. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. morning. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. We cry for all kinds of reasons. Grief, joy, pain, a full range of emotions. We all know children cry. Grown-ups cry too, least on occasion. But not so long ago, cultural norms seemed to dictate that real men don't cry. Jim Axelrod shows us how times and tears are changing. I wanted this so bad. I dreamed this, man. From sports to movies <laughs> to everyday life, human beings have been crying, it seems, for as long as we've been breathing. But why exactly do we shed tears? What is the evolutionary advantage of being able to cry? Tears are one of the most powerful ways in which we bond with, with one another. <laughs> the science of sobbing. <laughs> Coming up on Sunday morning. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is truly one of our generation's greatest storytellers. So it's no wonder that after more than 30 films, he can still surprise us. Leslie Stahl will sit down with a true Hollywood legend. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is known for making epic movies about aliens, dinosaurs, and war. But in his latest, The Fablemans, he's taking on something far more personal. What have I just done? Has this been $40 million of therapy? Whoever spends spends $40 million of therapy? (laughs) I love this. The backstory of director Steven Spielberg ahead on Sunday morning. Sylvester Stallone is famous for all kinds of roles, but Even at this point in his career, something new can come along, as Lee Cowan will tell us. 
I want you to go to Tulsa. You serious? If you think you've seen all sides of Sylvester Stallone, well, think again. I read somewhere you said that fans of yours are really going to see who you are in this role, as opposed to some of the other ones. Yeah, you're going to see I'm a demented sadist. <laughs> How Sly, at 76, feels about doing his first ever television series, and why he never played a cowboy later on Sunday morning. We'll have commentary from author John Meacham, a story from Steve Hartman. David Pogue takes a minute to take on daylight saving time and more. It's the first Sunday of a new month, November 6th, 2022. And we'll be right back. Time was, there were those who felt part of being a real man meant never shedding a tear. But as Jim Axelrod explains, the idea there's no crying in baseball, or golf for that matter, is long gone. Professional golfer Rob LeBritz. This is a game of passion. Oh yeah. Has paired that passion with a lifetime of practice. Does every one of your days include some time doing what you're doing? Oh yes. Putting, chipping, pitching, bunker play, half swings, quarter swings, full swings. Which is why last December, when he finally reached a moment 35 years in the making. Oh man. So <laughs> Earning a place on the PGA Champions Tour where the world's best golfers, 50 and over, play for millions of dollars. <laughs> he was speechless. Tears did all his talking. It was just a, a whirlwind of emotion, of lifelong drive and sacrifice and just practice and never give up. Thank you, brother. Overnight, Rob LeBritz and his emotion went viral. How were those tears received by everyone you came in contact with? I'll say nine million positives and one made fun of. Just one. By attacking me, by attacking my right, he's proved himself to be a gutless coward. A far cry from half a century ago. A good woman. When presidential candidate Ed Muskie's apparent tears after a newspaper's attack on his wife, torpedoed his presidential campaign. You know, if I can't show emotion in that instance, then I guess the conclusion is that I've got to be an iceberg all of the time. <laughs> For Rob LeBritz, the way his tears were received reflects not just acceptance, but affirmation. Does it feel to you that kind of reaction reflects some sort of evolution in our culture? Yeah, I mean, as things evolve, have they, have they have in the past, what, say 50 or 60 years, right? I mean, it's okay to cry. It doesn't mean you're weak by any means, trust me. If Ed Muskie was running today and cried for the same reasons, would it cripple his campaign? No, I think it would have influenced voters to see him as a more human person. Vassar psychology professor Randy Cornelius 
has made a 45-year scholarly study of crying, coinciding with this cultural shift. From Real Men Don't Cry to a 2016 poll in which 89% of Americans think it's acceptable for men to cry. Since Muskie, everyone from politicians to athletes has grown more comfortable shedding tears publicly. You must feel, since you've been studying this for four decades, a sense that we're moving in the right direction as a culture if we can more readily cry. Yes, I think crying is so important to us as humans. And it, it's one of the things that distinguishes us as humans. Monkeys, dogs, horses, reptiles, and birds, they all shed tears. But only human tears have been linked conclusively to emotion. Elephants mourn. You know, that whole thing about elephant burial grounds is true. But and they don't tear as part of their mourning? No, as far as we know. So crying, as linked to emotion, is uniquely human. Yes. For Cornelius, tears have evolved as a way for humans to signal each other and mark behaviors that will help us survive. What is the evolutionary advantage of being able to cry? I think it perpetuates the species because it, it helps in that bonding process. Tears are one of the most powerful ways in which we bond with, with one another. That tells us that this is a special moment. This is deep. This is existential, if you will. Hey, Stella! Maybe it's the outgrowth of a change that started with tough guys like Marlon Brando crying on screen in the 50s. You don't have to believe me, baby. <laughs> it's all right to cry. cry that led to football stars like Rosie Greer delivering groovy permission in the 1970s. It might make you feel better. So I think I've noticed an increase in it probably in the past 10 years or so. Psychologist Lubna Somji has certainly seen an uptick in crying, especially with men. We still sort of buy into the fact that men shouldn't cry. and Men that should be stoic. Men should be stoic. That being said, what's interesting, at least in my practice, if let's say 80% of women in my practice have cried, at some point during therapy, I would say that 80% of my male patients have also cried. Your characters have lives outside of the scenes in the play in the movie. But acting coach Tim Martin Krause, I didn't mean to do it. Who once taught a 13-year-old Claire Danes to cry for a scene in Law and Order, wants to be clear about the limits of tears. So how does an actor learn to cry on command? Well, that question sort of treats actors like a trained seal. Like, you know, flip a fish and they do their trick. I saw many things, I still went back. Tears are not some sort of emotional holy grail. For Krauss, they're just one way to show connection to an underlying emotion. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Like how Sally Field cried in Steel Magnolias. Oh God, I want to know One way, but not the only way. When my father died uh, uh, at the funeral, one of my really good friends said to me, you know, I really thought you loved your father. And I said, uh, I did. And they said, you know, you didn't cry. And I was so 
flabbergasted that that was their criteria for loving someone. An emotional display. In public. Of a certain type. Right, and at a certain time. It doesn't mean I loved him less or felt the loss yeah. less. There's a lot of ways to express emotions, and tears are certainly one of them, but they are not the end-all be-all. Of course, if the way someone does demonstrate their emotion is by crying, well, that's more okay now than ever. I envision that call a few hundred times. Just uh, ask Rob Labritz. Yeah. Other pros, other competitors. Did any of them mention it? A lot of them said I had them in tears too. You know, I mean, I heard that a lot. I don't even know you when I'm tearing up, you know, which makes me feel really cool, you know, for just hitting a golf ball. <laughs> When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. It's Sunday morning on CBS, and here again is Jane Pauley. Long before The Rock, there was Rocky. Now one of the biggest stars of the big screen is taking on TV. Lee Cowan is in conversation with Sylvester Stallone. That's great. Glad you made it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Sylvester Stallone seemed almost overly eager to talk about his latest project. In part, perhaps, because it's the kind of part he's been denied. Let's cut. For his entire professional career. I went up for The Godfather. Did you really? Yes. As an extra. An extra. And didn't get it. I think you don't look Italian enough. Really? The only thing that looks more Italian than me is a pizza. <laughs> but now, at age 76. Not exactly the welcome I was expecting. The Italian stallion is earning his chops as a real mafioso. After everything I've been through, after everything I've lost, after everything I've done for this family, your family, there's nothing left for me! Hey! Tulsa King, the latest streaming series out next Sunday from our parent company, Paramount. Most of you know my nickname is The General. Follows an aging good fella fresh out of federal prison. But instead of celebrating with coffee and cannoli, his New York crime family shuts him out and sends him west. 
Name's Tyson, welcome to Tulsa. To set up a racketeering and gambling operation on the plains of Oklahoma. You could earn like crazy. Do whatever you want. I need to see your books. Are you from the government? I just knocked your guard out. And you think I'm a CPA? Take the Sopranos, put them on a stagecoach, and see what happens. <laughs> so part of this is, I mean, it's not a comedy, but there's a humorous element in it in that you are this East Coast guy coming to kind yeah. of figure out what the West is all about, right? Yeah, it is. There's a whole different kind of culture out here, which is really what forged a lot of the country. And then generation after generation, you know, they meld into the tapestry of America, but they don't get the kind of attention you would think. Which is why he wanted to take us here. Those guys are long gone. To Oklahoma's National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. Look at that. Right? Where? He showed off his new pair of custom Roy Rogers boots. How come he never did a Western? Look at me. <laughs> hey, you doing? How you doing? You got any Indians that need, like, uh, Spumoni? <laughs> Still, when Rocky first made him a star, he says it was none other than John Wayne who was among the first to welcome him to Hollywood. He goes... You're new in the business, kid. I go, yeah, I just started. He goes, welcome. My name's John Wayne. And we're like, duh. <laughs> Even the Duke knew that Rocky had tapped into something. It wasn't really a boxing movie. It was more a love story. Adrian! Rocky! Hey, what's your hat? I love you! I love you! It resonated for all sorts of reasons, and so did Stallone. I don't give a damn who it is. You can't buy fame. You can't manufacture it. It has nothing to do with good looks or muscles or anything. It's an unknown, mysterious virus that some people are lucky enough to catch. Stallone has written one in every three movies he's appeared in, some featuring characters that he admits he may have resurrected one too many times. I finally came home to defend the only family I've ever known. But consider this. He's had a number one box office hit in every one of the last six decades. Even voicing a shark. Monster num num. Of course I'm not as relevant. I'm not this, I'm not that. But the one thing I do really stand tall and proud of is longevity. How do you think you've changed as an actor over all these decades? I got better. Yeah? Yeah, I did. You know, you think you have a peak. There's a peak in energy, and there's a peak in perhaps volatility, and ah, oh, look at me go. But when you're younger, it's like when in doubt, shout. Yeah. But when you get older, there's just gravitas. And yet, after all that time on the big screen... Right. What do you want to do from over here? Yeah, we got you right here, Sly. Tulsa King is Stallone's first foray into television. You can speed ahead a little bit, please. He's not nervous, per se, yeah. but to watch him on right. set... You, you can go further into it. Send him up. Like halfway into the scene. Yeah. He's treating the small screen with a level of respect that he never imagined when he was coming up. Is it weird doing TV now? Yeah. 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 At one time, when you were on TV, you realize, oh boy, I guess I'm genetically flawed. <laughs> I'm genetically flawed. You know, the things have changed now. 
Now it's just the opposite. Your best actors are streaming. Before streaming, there were just a few big studios. You can tell them over until it's over. Was that from the 80s? It's probably in the 70s. And when it came to the sixth installment of the Rocky franchise, Rocky Balboa, basically all of them thought Rocky was on the ropes. Matter of fact, I wanted that to be my last film. I wanted like, okay, I did it. it. I want, yeah, I said I just wanted Rocky to come to the rescue, prove a point that it's never over till it's over. No one, and I mean no one, wanted me to make it. And boy, Rocky, damn, it came through. That said, you might be surprised to learn that Stallone doesn't own Rocky. The rights actually belong to the studio and the producer of the franchise, Erwin Winkler. And while Stallone says he's hardly suffering financially, judging from his now deleted Instagram slams at Winkler recently, it's clear that it still stings. It bothers me. It does not. It's not about the money. It's like it's part of my soul belongs to someone who has very little. That's all. Winkler has not responded to us or anyone, but the tabloid soon moved on to another target, Stallone's marriage. His wife of 25 years, Jennifer Flavin, announced that she was filing for divorce. Some outlets even suggested that Stallone's new Rottweiler, Dwight, may have sparked one argument too many. The next love scene, I'm playing with you. Okay? With you. Right now, I'm revved up and uh, <laughs> no one can be around me. That's why I bought a dog. Like, <laughs> Not long after Tulsa King rapped, he and his wife and Dwight the dog all made up and agreed they'd give it another shot. <laughs> That's just the kind of final scene he might write himself. He says he's a sucker for happy endings. Doesn't strike me that you're ever going to give this life up. Like you're going to be in front of a camera somewhere doing something. Yeah. You know, I thought I could. I thought I could. But I'm sort of obsessed with it. Yeah? Yeah, I want to prove things. Still? Yeah, I just think, you know, like, Sly, I know everyone thinks you can't. Do you think you can? And it just keeps me going. No telling yet just where Tulsa King will take us. But now more than ever. Sylvester Stallone seems intent on still playing the underdog, whether it's a boxer or a mobster. I just think the world is so miserable at times. Give me what you wish it could be. People always want hope. It doesn't cost a dime. It's free. It's four-letter word. Give it to them. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug, ignored a leaky faucet, pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few taps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. 
Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. From Steve Hartman this morning, one woman's crusade to honor forgotten victims of hate. I've never seen anything quite like it. Girl steps to a podium. Hi, everyone. Says her name. I'm Sophie Kloffenberg. And without uttering another word, gets an ovation. A standing ovation. So what did 17-year-old Sophie Kloppenberg do to deserve such respect here in Posey County, Indiana? She rectified an injustice, 144 years in the making. In 1878, after a rape allegation, seven black men were lynched here. Four of them hung directly outside the same county courthouse they never got to set foot in. It was the largest lynching in state history, and yet the whole incident had been largely forgotten. Until Sophie heard about it. She started at the courthouse, looking for a plaque or any mention whatsoever. Nothing on that courthouse square and no public acknowledgement of what happened. Maybe people didn't want to remember. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people don't want to remember because it's hard to remember tough things, but it's unacceptable to just forget. It's also unrealistic to expect others to care as much about the issue as she did. Posey County is more than 95% white. Erecting a reminder to a racist past wasn't exactly a high priority around here. Thank you all very much. But that didn't stop Sophie from appealing to the county commissioners. Repeatedly. How passionate was she? Very. Commission President Bill Collins. You would probably be hard pressed to find many seniors in high school anywhere in the country that would be willing to take on something like this. Racism still exists. And Bill says even fewer who could succeed. I'm proud of Posey County, Indiana, and the beautiful people here. We're having the difficult conversations and giving a tangible voice to its minorities. Thank you. Thanks to that diplomatic touch, just recently, here in the heart of Red America, 144 years after that mob gathered in the square, another crowd formed on the very same spot. This time to watch Sophie unveil a memorial bench and historical marker, formally acknowledging the past and celebrating the progress. It's Sunday morning on CBS, and here again is Jane Pauley. E.T. phone home! Childhood has often been a theme of Steven Spielberg's movies, including 1982's E.T. But in his new film, the boyhood story Spielberg tells is his own. Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes talks with a Hollywood legend. Every one of my movies is a personal movie. I don't make films that I don't consider to have something of myself left behind in them. Steven Spielberg has left something of himself behind in 35 movies. Though in some cases you have to wonder what. 
Along the way, he's become the highest grossing film director of all time. Reggie, wave in the camera. Now, at age 75, Spielberg has made The Fablemans, a film he calls semi-autobiographical. My mom was really kind of pushy about, Steve, what are you going to tell our story? What are you going to tell my story? She and did? so absolutely, they, 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 this is something that they embraced. I kind of assumed mm -hmm. that um, you were waiting, a little crass, but waiting for your parents to die because you wouldn't want their critique or you wouldn't want to hurt them or disappoint them. But that, no, that... I, w I wouldn't have done anything to hurt or disappoint my parents. To me, it was more of a gift to them than any kind of a criticism about how my life and my sister's lives wasn't as hunky-dory as people assume. How, how much did you spend to rent this camera? 20 bucks. But I use my own money. You don't in the film, his father, as in real life, is a computer engineer played by Paul Dano. Sammy, a hundred dollars for a hobby? It's not a hobby, Dad. Michelle Williams is his mom, a free spirit who he has described as Peter Pan. It's a coming-of-age movie, a coming of Spielberg's obsession with making movies. Movies are dreams, Doc, but you never forget. Starting with the first film he ever saw at age six. In the movie, you see the greatest show on earth, and you get a thunderbolt when you see this movie. Is that what happened? Is that? the beginning, the moment. I didn't know what a movie was, and when my dad and my mom took me to the movie in a theater, it was a movie about the circus. After a while, I got very involved in the story. There's a train crash in the middle of the movie. And all I remember is, it was the scariest thing I'd ever experienced in my entire life. To overcome that fear, he kept recreating the crash with his electric trains, then filming it with his dad's 8-millimeter camera. And that was it. Spielberg, the filmmaker, was born. As in real life, he was just an adolescent when he made a Western called Gun Smog. And then I showed it to the Boy Scouts on one of our weekend meetings, and they went crazy. That was the first moment where I said, what a jolt. That's a really good feeling. That was a really good feeling. <laughs> Is it true that when you did reshoot some of the movies you made when you were a kid, yeah. that you changed the angles to make it look better? I really, really tried, Leslie, my best to make the 8 middle movies I was recreating look as amateurish as the films I made as a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old. Mm -hmm. But if I found a good angle, I had to get down on the ground and get a low angle that I wouldn't have done as a kid. I couldn't help myself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love it. Well, you realize that uh, in my business, we, that's a no-no. We could not do that. Luckily, in my business, we get to suspend disbelief. <laughs> and left hand, slowly. Left. Tony Kushner, who wrote this movie, said that he thought this was therapeutic for you. Well, it was cathartic for me, certainly. I never took it for granted. I mean, it was a tremendous privilege 
to, it's like making a movie, you know, and realizing with this movie, what have I just done? Has this been $40 million of therapy? Whoever spends, for, whoever spends $40 million of therapy. His mother is the heart of the story, as she was in real life. My mom always wanted more. She was the more mom. Enough wasn't enough for mom. You know, is and that good or bad that's for a good. kid? That's a wonderful thing for a oh, kid oh, okay. because she inspired me to be, in a way, ambitious and greedy about more and more and more. No guilt? She didn't infuse that in you? She didn't believe in guilt. My mother used to always say, Steve, guilt is a wasted emotion. Wow. How lucky are you to be not infused with the idea of guilt and to be Jewish at mm -hmm. the same time? Mm -hmm. Wow. Now that's unique. Well, my mom liked breaking stereotypes. We're never not going to know each other, Sammy. I don't know if you give your father the credit he deserves, at least in your career. Well, you know, say my dad was very practical. He wanted me in school to major in English, so if I didn't become a filmmaker, I would become a teacher. Being a movie director is just something that, what, one in a million people get to be a movie director? He was simply trying to protect me. His parents split up when Stephen was 19. Left out of the movie was all the real-life drama when he blamed his dad for the divorce and barely talked to him for 15 years, which I asked his parents about in 2012 for 60 Minutes. I'm going to show you a clip from our 60 Minutes piece. She fell in love with another guy. Yes, with one of his friends. You fell in love with one of his friends. Did and Stephen know that? No, he didn't know that right away. He thought I divorced her. So wait a minute. You fell in love with his friend. You left him, but Stephen blamed you, That's thought right. you had left her, and yeah. you didn't tell him? That's right. Not for years. Why? I don't know. I think I was just protecting her because I was in love with her. Even though she left you, you were still in love with her? Yeah. Still do. He forgave me, I think. I was so unhappy. He covered for me. Mm. When the, my mom and my dad announced that they were separating, as is portrayed in The Fablemans, my dad fell on the sword, but I didn't know there was a sword to fall on. I simply took him at his word when he said, it's my idea that we separate. Wow. And I live with that, and I blame my dad for that for years. The movie reveals a secret about this that Stephen kept till now, that when he was a teenager, he discovered his mother's affair with his dad's best friend. 16. Yep. And that was a secret that we shared for most of our lives. Your father did not know for most of his life that you knew. No. I never had that conversation with my dad. But that's a burden on a young kid. That's a burden on you Yeah. that she let you carry. It's not that she let me carry it. It's something that I felt I could bury. And in a way, making this movie made me realize that I had been carrying that burden all these years and I had to exorcise it mm -hmm. from my own heart and soul. And once that was out of my system, I was able to regret that I hadn't shared that with my dad. Well, Those are your sisters? Yeah, these are my sisters. Let me and get this down to show you. His mom, Leah, and her second husband 
went on to open a restaurant in Los Angeles where she held court. We used to call this my mom's stage because the, 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 the patrons, the customers were her audience and she was performing for them all the time. Later in their lives, Leah and his dad Arnold reconciled. You could afford to be a little encouraging. About what? About him making movies again. Well, I didn't say that. Didn't but in the movie, The Fablemans, there's no happy ending for his parents. There is, though, a happy beginning to Spielberg's career as a filmmaker. I've got better perspective now about what happened a long time ago, so that's why this is something that had to wait for me to, I guess, grow up in order to look back. We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. With Election Day Tuesday, thoughts this morning from historian John Meacham, whose new book chronicles the life and evolution of President Abraham Lincoln. He thought everything was over. It was the summer of 1864, and Abraham Lincoln believed his campaign for re-election amid the Civil War was doomed. The president was to be defeated, his policies repudiated by the people, his vision of America lost. But if the Democratic nominee, George McClellan, was in fact the choice of the electorate, then so be it. This morning, as for some days past, it seems exceedingly probable that this administration will not be re-elected, Lincoln wrote. Then it will be my duty to so cooperate with the president-elect as to save the union between the election and the inauguration. A president devoted to justice and to the rule of law. 
A president willing to cede power graciously should he lose. A president who put the constitutional experiment and the good of others above his own self-interest. Such words can seem nostalgic, even naive in our own time. On Tuesday, Americans will go to the polls in the first national election since the insurrection of January 6, 2021. Perhaps 300 election deniers are on the ballot across America. At stake is not only the policies of ordinary times, but the viability and the durability of American democracy itself. I wish this were hyperbolic. I wish it were hypothetical, but it's neither. Democracies are always contingent and conditional enterprises. They depend not only on the substance of laws and of institutions, but on the characters of leaders and of the led. In a democracy, the pursuit of power for power's sake, devoid of devotion to equal justice and fair play, is tempting, but it's destructive. This is why the unfolding voting in the midterm elections is so important. There are forces abroad in the land that are choosing to put their own power ahead of everything else. To them, politics is not a mediation of differences, but an occasion for total war. Usually, a vote is about policy, a tax rate, say, or immigration reform. This year's vote is about more than that. It's about whether elected Republican officials will obey the law, fairly count the votes in 2024, and obey the will of the people. A world in which power is all, in which the assertion of a singular will trumps all, in which brute force dictates all, is not moral but immoral, not democratic but autocratic, not just but unjust. The task of history is to secure advances in a universe that tends to disappoint. That was Lincoln's task, and it is ours. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brighten your mornings with CBS News Sunday morning merchandise from ParamountShop.com. Shop mugs, sweatshirts, and t-shirts to start your mornings with style. Take 20% off at checkout with code SUNDAY20 at ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all CBS News Sunday morning products with code SUNDAY20 at ParamountShop.com.